Welcome back to The Grinder, folks. Today we have a very special guest with us today. His name is Sal Stefano. He is a host on Mind Pump. You can find his podcast on iTunes and anywhere else you are looking for your podcast needs. Uh, today we're going to go into you know, how he created Mind Pump and a bunch of other little facts that might be helpful for you guys. And we're going to touch on some gut health issues that a lot of us may have and may not have, but it's all good information. With that being said, Sal, tell us about Mind Pump. Okay, so uh, how I started Mind Pump, that's the question. Um, you know, I, I've, been, I, I've been in the fitness industry for quite a while before uh, doing the current endeavor, which is Mind Pump Media. I'd uh, managed health clubs. I actually started off as a personal trainer, training clients. Then I managed and grand opened large corporate uh, gyms and health clubs for 24-hour fitness. And then I opened up my own uh, personal training and wellness facility, which offered personal training, nutrition, you know, gut testing, that kind of stuff. Um, and I did that when I was, uh, I want to say, 22 years old. Um, y- years into that, uh, probably about, I want to say about eight years into that is when I met Doug, who is now the producer of uh, our podcast and one of my partners. Uh, with Mind Pump Media. And Doug was a client of mine. And as D- Doug and I worked out together and trained together, Doug would, uh, you know, he would comment that if I had ever come out with a product or a program that he would help me market it online because he had some online marketing experience. And he also had the equipment and he was also an editor and he knew he was the creative, uh, very creative individual. And um, that's when I first came out with the, the first uh, fitness program that we now sell through Mind Pump, which is called Maps Anabolic. And we had put it together, put together some sales materials for it. And at the time, I had been in contact with uh, my current partner, one of my other current partners, Adam Schaefer, through social media. And Adam, I had known of Adam through uh, working in the large corporate health clubs, managing these big gyms. He was a very high-level performer, and I'd heard of him. And we had connected through social media, and I knew he had a lot of talent when it came to sales um, and marketing. And uh, he was well-respected by a lot of my peers. So I asked him if he wouldn't mind looking over my material and if he would mind giving me his opinion. And so I sent him over my marketing material for the program and he called me up probably a couple hours later. We got on the phone and that's where the concept for Mind Pump kind of first started. We we all met uh, in Adam's living room. Uh, that's where I met Justin, who's the other, uh, the fourth partner. And we sat down and, you know, you ever have those conversations, uh, you ever go to a party and you have a conversation with people where time just flies, you know, you're talking and next thing you know, it's two hours later, you've been having a, a tremendous conversation, very stimulating. You feel like you're on fire. You feel like you're, uh, you're flowing. There's a lot of chemistry. Um, that was what it was like that very first time we all sat down. We, we sat down and talked for about four hours and we really connected very strongly over a few key foundational uh, things or, or, or values that we had. Uh, the first one was integrity. Um, and I'm not quite sure who, who brought it up first, but when we were talking about the concept of, of Mind Pump that first day, one of us brought up the fact that we did not want to sell out to anybody. And it wasn't quite said that way. I believe the way it was said was 
I'm not going to censor what I have to say. I want to say whatever I'm going to say. I don't care if a sponsor or anybody else tells me what I can and can't do. In fact, if somebody tells me not to do something, I'm probably going to do the opposite. And the rest of us all lit up and agreed. It was a value that we all had shared. Um, and that is part of our integrity. Like we're going to be as honest as we possibly can be. The second thing that really bound us together, um, you know, when we were conversing was I had brought up how the fitness industry was so, and the health industry was so segmented and splintered. You had uh, the two biggest segments of the, of the health industry were the wellness side where you have the, you know, get yourself feeling better and meditate and, you know, stretch and um, eat, eat healthy organic type of foods. And then you had the other side of the fitness and health industry, which was the build muscle, burn body fat, uh, you know, max performance, balls to the wall, you know, beast mode, no days off type of deal. And, you know, I had told everybody, I said, you know, I feel like the time for those two large segments of our industry to merge is now. They need to merge. First off, because both of them contribute to each other. There's a lot of value in both of them and being too extreme in one or the other is not the answer. And I had learned that myself firsthand. And I remember when I brought that up, everybody got excited and lit up because that's exactly what they had thought themselves. And so that was the other big thing that really brought us together. And I think the last thing that really brought us together was uh, we talked about the value in how you communicate ideas. A lot of people worry about what they say. Like, okay, here's an idea. I need to formulate my idea. Um, you know, this is what we're going to say. But a lot of people don't realize that how you say something or how you communicate something is as important as what you're saying. Sometimes it's even more important. And we had all understood this uh, working with clients. We'd all been trainers for 15 to 20 years. And something you learn as a personal trainer, if you've been doing this for you know, a long time, and if you really, really care about what you're doing, is you start to figure out that it's far more effective to communicate one idea effectively than it is to communicate you know, 15 great ideas and not do them very effectively. Like if I can get a client to do just one thing and really buy in, then we're going to succeed versus let me just throw the whole kitchen sink at you. This is something we learned as trainers. And so we all connected over this and understood that our, our, our media, which started off with our podcast, had to be entertaining and compelling so that we could get our message across. And it's not uh, that important that we blast people with all this crazy information. That's not as important as, our, as it is to get through to the average person who just isn't getting uh, the right message from the industry. So that's how the whole kind of business started. And uh, right out the gates, it was gangbusters. And that's how it all got going. That's awesome, man. I love that. Um, and that, that's something that you, you guys definitely portray on, on the podcast is it comes across very clear that you guys do have, you know, very good communication and you guys are pushing a very solid topic and the integrity that you guys do uphold. I mean, it's, it's, it definitely comes across very clear. Well, it's, a, it's actually quite, it's a difficult situation to be in, you know, uh, for a long time, media was, I mean, gosh, old media was even worse, right? Old media, you had such a limited bandwidth, like you had so many channels of TV you could be on or cable. You had so many radio stations, so many newspapers, and you really had to change your message many times. Otherwise, nobody would want to publish you or, or 
you know, like here, I'll give you an example. Here we are talking about how the supplement side of the fitness industry is largely full of lies. It's largely charlatans and false promises and, you know, preying on people's insecurities. And it's really things that don't make that big of a difference at all. And most of the time makes no difference whatsoever. It's just a waste of money. Now imagine if we were trying to convey that message in a bodybuilding or fitness magazine, you know, 15 years ago, no one would have published us. I mean, we would have been telling everybody to do the opposite of what all these other companies were saying, because of course they're trying to sell products. So it, it was a very difficult thing. New media allows you the freedom, you know, and podcasting and YouTube and social media and, you know, email newsletters, all that stuff. It gives you the freedom to be more honest and free, but you're still, there's still a lot of those pressures. You know, we, the first year we operated our podcast, I mean, we grew very quickly in that first year. So we did get approached by sponsors, but we turned every single one of them down. There was not a single sponsor that came to us in that first year or so that we could say we could get behind. You know, it was a lot of these supplement companies and, and, and you know, pills and powders and, you know, we can, and they were offering us money. And so we were making zero dollars, nothing. We made actually cost us money for the first year. It cost us a lot of time and money to try and do this, uh, do this business. So it's a, it's a difficult thing. We've even had situations recently where we'll have a sponsor who will object to the way that we may talk about one of their products. And we have to give them pushback. And we tell them, look, we're going to sell and say things the way we're going to say and sell them because it's got to be honest from us. It's got to be honest from us. Otherwise, we're not going to be very effective. Now, luckily, we show them conversion rates and we show them the numbers. And so then those objections dissipate very quickly because then they look at the numbers and go, okay, I guess the way you guys are doing it is working. But we can feel that pressure even to this day. And the bigger we get, I think the bigger the pressure is to change your message and kind of change the direction of how you say things because you got people paying, you know, all that stuff. So it is one of those, those difficult struggles, but we, we constantly remind ourselves of the purpose behind why we're doing what we're doing. And the top priority for us and the top purpose is not money. Um, I wouldn't lie if I, you know, I'd be lying if I said that wasn't an important thing, but it's definitely not the number one pinnacle top of our of our meaning and purpose behind what we're doing. So we constantly remind ourselves of that and it keeps us straight. It keeps us doing what we're doing the way we do it uh, without, you know, having to change it, modify it uh, for somebody else. Hey, Sal. So, you know, that's so true what you're saying about how you represent a product or being honest. And, you know, Addison and I were having this talk the other day. We were talking about, you know, people, people's bullshit meter, is way better than it's been probably in ever um, because they see so much. I mean, you're constantly the marketing, the advertising, just people coming at you. You know, I, I think people are quicker to, to realize something's authentic or not. And perfect example, just talking about like sponsors love Joe Rogan's podcast. If you've listened to the beginning of his podcast, going off the norm, the standard, uh, his his pitch for his sponsors are probably some of the most unprofessional out there. Mm-hmm. And I've bought more. The only place I've bought based off a podcast is from Joe Rogan's because I, f- I feel like he's completely authentic on it. You know? Absolutely. I, we're now in a new age where authenticity is uh, extremely valuable. 
when it comes to connecting with your, <clears throat> with your audience. Part of that is because, well, social media gives people a closer connection to the people that they're following. Like, for, you know, I'll give you uh, another good example. Kevin Hart, right? The comedian, Kevin Hart. He yeah, has yeah. his own social media pages, his Instagrams and his Facebook and Twitter. And he's got all these followers and he's directly connected to them. And he's built his own business around that. Now in the past, these people were untouchable. In the past, it was impossible to communicate with them or see what they're doing on a day-to-day basis. And so I think people now are valuing that realism. I'll give you another example. This is a, and this is a, a psychological phenomenon that I think we've observed for a long time. If you ask the average person if a celebrity like Beyonce uh, deserves the amount of money that she makes, the average person would say, yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, Beyonce, she definitely deserves you know, the millions of dollars she earns. She's a phenomenal artist. She works real hard, love her music. You ask the average person if the nameless, faceless CEO of a top corporation deserves to make millions of dollars. M- many people will say, no, of course not. Right. That person, they're making too much money. But the problem, the reason is because they don't feel a connection to that person. It's faceless. It's nameless. You know, the, the, yeah. the, that top person, they don't know who they are and they think they're just, they're making too much money. And I, I think people are starting to realize that in, in the, you know, in the, in the business space and they're trying to connect more. The cool thing is I think it's hard, it's hard to fake. You know, I think you, to, in order to come across real, you got to be real. It's kind of a difficult thing to fake. And uh, here's the other thing too. It kind of makes you bulletproof. You know, another thing about this day and age is you slip up and say the wrong thing, you're going to get hammered by Twitter and and Instagram and social media and all these fans and followers. But if you come out and you're real from day one and you say something, it's like, that's just who I am. You kind of become a little bit more invincible. I mean, you brought up Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan gets away with saying things that other celebrities don't because he's always like that. You know what I mean? He's always real. And we're very aware of that. We're also very aware of the, the fast rise and fall of businesses in this new space. And one of the big reasons why they, they fall so quickly is that, that pulling away of the, of the curtain, that, or at least the perception of that. Like, oh, they're not who I thought they were. Then their business crumbles. We want to be real from day one. We don't care if it makes us grow any slower. Uh, first off, we can't be any other way. And second off, we think it protects us from uh, some of the some of the pitfalls that come from being so connected with your audience. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so, Sam, you know the the goal of our podcast is focused around being a peer group for uh, individuals working in companies, working for themselves. What we call tier one, getting over wall one. You know, they're they're they've got an idea, they've been working on it, and you know, like many individuals, they're just stuck in that routine. So helping motivate them, push over wall one or wall two, take their business or themselves to the next level. Mm -hmm. Uh, So with a lot of this, you know, a lot of our listeners are starting companies or new in companies. Um, I'd like to jump back because it's, it's really interesting what you said. I think you could provide some real insight on, you know, you saying the four of you guys coming together and starting the partnership. Uh, Partnerships are scary. Um, and they're, they're difficult, uh, extremely difficult. Uh, and, you know, I, I really liked if you could tell a little bit more of, you know, what you think some of the pitfalls people need to watch for, look out for, or, or what's worked well for you guys. Well, uh, having a business partner is, is like getting married. I mean, you really need to take it that seriously. You're, you're, you're tying up a lot of time and money 
into uh, working with an individual and most partnerships tend to fail. And I think, I think I know the reason why, or at least I think I know why ours, uh, to be more accurate, why ours is doing so well or why we feel so secure uh, with our partnership. And there's four of us, which multiplies the, the potential for, you know, difficulties even more. You know, I had a, a long time ago, I got into this discussion and debate with a lot of coworkers. We were sitting around in my office and we were having a meeting and we were talking about what motivates individuals uh, in a company to really perform, you know, really, really well. I mean, we've all, we all know that it, what's that, that 80, 20 rule, right? 20% of the people in your company yeah. are going to, you know, do 80% of the production or work. You know, there's like a small percentage of people who just, they seem to show up early. They seem to leave late. They seem to really work hard and dedicate themselves to what they're doing and really want to perform. Um, and, and, you know, like I, like I used to say back in the day, you know, bleed for the company or whatever. And it's not the best saying, but I think you guys understand kind of what I'm talking about. And so we had this long debate and discussion about it. And one of the, one of my coworkers uh, said that she felt that the thing that motivated people the most or one of the strongest motivators is money. She's like, if people make enough money, then they're going to work hard and dedicate themselves and, you know, do all those things that I just talked about. And I, I vehemently disagreed. I, thought, I said, no, that, that, that is not true whatsoever. And, and I'll, I'll give you the example that I gave her. Some of the hardest, peop- hardest working people I've ever met in my entire life are volunteers, people who volunteer for a charity. You will, not meet, uh, you will not meet a group of people that will sweat and bleed and, and devote time and energy like somebody who is volunteering their time to feed the poor or to clean up the oceans or to save animals or whatever their cause or purpose is. Those are the most, the hardest working people you will ever find and they work for free. Now, why are they working so damn hard? It's because they have meaning and purpose behind what they're doing. One of the hardest things to understand about starting a business, or what I find is very difficult for a lot of people to understand, is that it takes a long time, takes a lot of effort, and it's very, very difficult. You know, we, we tend to see all the success stories, and it sounds like it's an overnight success. You know, I've, I've, people have told us, oh, you know, Mind Pump, you guys came out of nowhere, overnight night success. I'm like, yeah, 20 years in the making, right? I've, I've been in this industry for 20 years yeah. and it, it was Mind Pump that really took off. You got lucky, right? In that right yeah. It was a culmination of all that, right? Yeah. And so the thing that binds, you know, the, my partners and I is we all have this strong belief in the purpose and meaning behind what we're doing. And, and for us... And just to give you our example, our meaning and purpose is to take an industry, which we'll label the fitness and health industry, to take an industry that should be the solution, should be the answer to the modern health epidemic, which, which includes the obvious things like obesity, diabetes, and cancer, but also includes the not so obvious things like anxieties, depression, uh, all of the mental disorders that we're starting to see, ADD in children, which has exploded. The, the health and fitness industry should be the answer to all of those problems that are the biggest problems that we are faced with in modern societies to the point where 
many economists believe if we continue on the trajectory that we're going, that it, it could actually threaten to bankrupt some of these massive, you know, otherwise successful nations. It's a big, it's a big problem. And Western medicine doesn't really have a solution to the, to the, to the root cause of the problem. We have a lot of, uh, you know, medicines that can help with the symptoms, but really isn't the solution. So we think the fitness and health industry should be the solution. The problem is it hasn't been. The problem is it, it's been part of the problem. Part of the reason it's been part of the problem is it's been, again, it's, we're motivating people based on their looks and aesthetics and it's based on supplements and beat yourself up in the gym and hate yourself, don't care about yourself and all that stuff. And I know I'm going on a tangent, but I just want to convey the passion behind the meaning behind what we're doing. And that's what drove us to work for an entire year for free and then to continue to work for the second year while, you know, we, st- we got paid a little bit, but we still had our jobs and really didn't, weren't able to leave our jobs until the third year. So that was two years of grinding while having families, while busting our butts in our other gyms. And we're all in our mid to late thirties. We've all owned businesses before. So we've all seen, you know, had our successes and our failures. And so I think if you're going to go into a business with a partner, they better have that same purpose and meaning. It better be one of their top purposes and meanings like it is for you. Like if you both go into that, with that purpose and meaning that's bigger than the, the, the intricacies of business, which include, you know, money and, and profit and all that stuff, then I think you can get around a lot of the difficulties that you may encounter with a business. Like, you know, definitely my partners and I have disagreements and argue and, and fights and, and they can get pretty, you know, we can get pretty animated and pretty heated over disagreements over how, the business and running and what we need to do and, you know, should we hire this person, all that other stuff. But at the end of the day, our egos get checked because we remind ourselves why we're doing what we're doing, you know, what the higher purpose is. And so if I'm having a debate and argument and, you know, my, you know, my partner believes that, you know, he's right and I think I'm right. And at the end of it, you know, he convinces my other partners that he's right. I'm going to step down and say, all right, let's go with that. And I'm going to support what your idea is 100, you know, 100% because I know that you're, you're driving towards the same purpose as I am. We all want to do the same thing. We all want to win this particular way. And if we succeed, we succeed together. And if we fail, we fail together. And it's, it's kept us, it's, you know, like, like my partners and I, we all, we all have pretty big egos. We're all pretty alpha. Uh, if we didn't have that same higher meaning and purpose behind what we were doing, no way in hell we would have been able to work together. There's no way. We'd have butted head too much. We have too many differences and ideas of how we should do things. It's also recognizing what you're good at and what you're not good at. And again, you know, there's certain things I'm not good at that some of my partners are better at. And if I didn't consider that higher meaning behind what we're doing, then it would be difficult for me to sit back and let them run on, you know, do something because my ego would step in and be like, no, I need to do that. You know, I'm the, I, I need to be in charge of something. So, I think that's one of the most important things. And the other thing too is, you know, uh, you probably want to partner with someone that has a lot of integrity. I, I think one of the, the biggest reasons why people don't work out together is they don't share that, that same integrity or, or, or value in integrity. Um, and, uh, you know, it's easier to handle things when someone tells you and they're honest about it versus when you find out later on, you For know, sure. what's going on much, much easier to handle things. So I, those are the two things that I can, I can, I think I can put my finger on right now. 
Yeah. And I, I definitely agree with you on the disagreement piece. You know, I mean, I, I think people shy away from that too much. I mean, there's nothing wrong if you're working in an organization, working together with someone to make it better. It wouldn't be moving forward if there wasn't disagreements. I mean, I mean, that's where you add value. I mean, coming together, figuring the solution in the middle and the disagreements are what help propel you forward and then finding a solution. Yeah. You got to have a thick, you got to have a thick skin. If you're going to go into business uh, as an entrepreneur and especially if you're going to have partners, you gotta, you gotta, you can't be a, uh, you can't be a lack of a better term. You can't be a pussy. Okay. You got to be able to, you got to be able to take criticism uh, because the odds that you're, everything you're going to do is going to succeed and, and explode is almost zero. So you're going to get kicked in the balls quite a few times in business. And if you have partners, sometimes it's your partner that does it because they're criticizing you. And if you don't have thick skin, you know, if you're one of these, I get offended at everything and don't tell me what I'm doing is wrong. And you know, you, you, it ain't, it ain't going to work for you. It's just not yeah. going to you got to be okay with, you know, having people tell you that sometimes what you're doing isn't right or sucks or they don't like it. Like be okay with that and be, be confident enough to defend yourself, but also be okay with the fact that you might be wrong. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being wrong. In fact, I enjoy figuring out and finding out when I'm wrong because now I don't have to be wrong anymore. You know, it's a very strange space to be in. And I know it's comfortable. It's a comfortable space to be in where you're, oh, I'm always right. I'm never wrong. Nobody can criticize me. Yeah, it's comfortable, but gosh, really? Is, is it really, if you really think about it, you really want to be in a position where, you know, you're, you're too afraid of figuring out or opening your mind or being open-minded to what you're doing maybe not as effective or wrong. I don't know about, I know me, I, I would prefer, and it stings, but I like to figure, find out like, oh, wow, okay, what I did was not effective. That hurts. It's a little, it stings, definitely. Nobody likes to do that, but let me take a second to, to reflect on it. And now, you know, what's cool. I'm not going to be wrong anymore. Now I can move forward and do something yeah. even better. Yeah. I think a lot of that is, is an ego check, you know, just being able to place yourself in an uncomfortable position and then understanding that in that uncomfortable position becomes comfortable at some point because you, you finally are able to understand that like, Hey, sometimes shit's not always right. And you're able to kind of get yourself back on that. Absolutely. It's, it's like anything else. Like, you know, if, you, if you're learning to play the piano, it's not going to be fun until you can play music, right? It, it, it's kind of hard work up until you start to play music. I mean, that's a pretty straightforward, you know, black and white example, but business is like that. Working with partners is like that. It's going to be difficult. There's going to be challenges. You got to have thick skin. Remind yourselves of your, of your purpose and meaning behind what you're doing because that's going to drive you when you're not bringing in money. It's going to drive you when you need to put in more hours. It's going to drive you when you're frustrated with the, you know, the fact that the last four ideas that you had just didn't work out. Like what keeps you moving forward? You know, we, we have the opportunity and, and the luxury of being able to, to interview some really, really smart and amazing people. One of my favorite things about having a, a media company and a podcast in particular is I have leverage to talk to really cool people. Like I could call I could email somebody or, or get in contact with someone's PR agent and I can say, Hey, I, you know, I have a show. We get this many downloads. Um, you know, I'd love to, to interview them. So now I have this like selfishly, I have this opportunity to talk to people who would n normally not 
spend the time talking with me because I was just, you know, some regular dude. So it's a phenomenal opportunity. And we'll talk to people about this, about these exact things all the time. And one example is we interviewed uh, Joe DeSena. Uh, Joe is the founder of the Spartan obstacle course uh, racing company. So I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Spartan. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like tough mudder and you know, that kind of stuff. But Spartans is the largest one. And Joe is a serial entrepreneur, one of the coolest people you'll ever meet or talk to, great storyteller. So, uh, some of our interviews with him are some of our most popular. Um, our most recent one was phenomenal. It was and, good. And he started Spartan. He, now, when he started Spartan, he's already a millionaire. Like he's already, he'd already done businesses and you know, he had a very successful uh, pool cleaning business when he was younger. Then he had a very successful construction company that he he worked on Wall Street and made millions doing that. And then he felt, you know, driven and he felt this purpose to, without going into too much detail, he had this, he felt this meaning to start a company like Spartan Race. He didn't make money for 13 years. That, that's a long damn time. Now, I'm not yeah. saying everybody should do that. But my point, now, now the company is extremely successful, by the way. The company's I'm valued in at least a hundred million dollars. Very, very successful company now. But would he have done it for 13 years if he didn't have that higher meaning and purpose? If it was purely just for money, would he have gone that long and put as much time and effort into it? Of course not. So if you want to get through those pitfalls, you got to find your why. You got to find your purpose. Otherwise, you know, you're going to get hit with a few complications, a few challenges. And you're going to fold. You're probably going to fold. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all about the perseverance. I mean, that, that's, that's the ultimate struggle with it, with the business. And moving forward is the perseverance that no matter how many times you get kicked in the teeth, you, you get back up because there, this is the mission. This is where it's going. This is the long-term goal. And, and, and you just slipped along the way. <laughs> you know, that fall in the end of it, I mean, hell, you still got to get back up and walk another 50 miles, right? So, like, I think that's where a lot of people lose, uh, you know, the long-term scheme of what they're doing and all they focus on is the money. Yeah, you know, and the money comes when businesses tend to succeed when they're able to take that purpose and that why and put it in a a system and a plan that then has market uh, viability, right? usually it's, it's both of those things put together, at least the big successful companies uh, are able to do that. You know, you said something about perseverance and it definitely is a game of attrition, but it's also important to understand that part of that game of attrition is sometimes knowing when you need to change directions, knowing when what you thought your business was going to look like may not be what it's going to look like. Because I've, I've also encountered individuals who've just been hard headed because they keep hearing that they need to persevere, need to persevere. They need to keep working hard and they're not able to realize that they're, that what they're doing isn't working, that they need to shift and change it. That's a part of the perseverance, you know, like you're, you're, you're running on a path and you're in, you, you run into a, a brick wall. You know, you don't keep running into that brick wall. You find another direction and that's part of that. So, you know, for myself personally, I've been at this for over 20 years, but it's been in different iterations. It's been in different forms. You know, it started off as a personal trainer, you know, working with individuals and trying to change how fitness helps those individuals. 
Then I started managing gyms, large gyms. Now I'm, now I'm impacting more people. Then I realized I didn't have the, the flexibility uh, or the autonomy that I wanted to be able to really, you know, put forth what I think uh, is most valuable. So I started my own personal training and wellness facility. And then I did that for a while. Um, and then I got to the point where, okay, I kind of mastered this, uh, but I think I want to be able to touch and reach even more people. And now it's turned into, you know, it's turned into mind pump. And I mean, you guys have done a hell of a job. It's, it's been, you know, your thoughts on not just, you know, wellness and, and fitness, but you, you, you go on some, a lot of different things. Uh, just on the podcast and a lot of it just, you know, you, you hear some of the stuff that comes out of your mouth and I'm like, man, that, that, that connects, that connects to a lot of different things as far as business life and and personal uh, growth. Um, And one of those, one of the things that I want to touch on really quick, uh, it's going to take us away from business. Are you good, James? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to take us away from that, but I think it would also bring a lot of value just in general uh, because it did for me was, you know, your thoughts on, on gut health and, and the science that you have behind it. Um, I think a lot of people lack, you know, they're like, okay, well, I'll just go to the gym and that'll make me feel better. Or, you know, I'll go for a run. That'll make me feel better, whatever it may be. But a lot of the symptoms that they're, symptoms that they're having is because they're, they're lacking gut health. Mm. Yeah, that's a big one. When we first started, uh, the podcast and the business, gut health was being talked about by a small circle or segment of the health and wellness side of the industry. Nobody else was really talking about it. Definitely not the hardcore fitness side. You know, the people who want to, like, again, the build muscle, burn body fat, look awesome and perform at a high level. Nobody was really talking about it on that end. Um, now, I have a personal experience with uh, understanding the impact of, uh, of you know, good gut health. You know, years ago, I think I was, I want to say I was 30 or maybe a little, or maybe a little younger, you know, up until that point, uh, a lot of my motivation behind working out was for myself, at least was based on the fe- my own personal insecurity. I wanted to build muscle because I thought I was a skinny kid growing up and all that. And so I did things to my body that uh, were detrimental to my health, the way I fed myself, the way I trained the supplements I took, because my, my goal was just to build more muscle. Well, my body rebelled uh, right around the age of 30, and uh, I, I thought I had developed an autoimmune uh, disorder like Crohn's disease. Luckily, I didn't, but my body definitely rebelled. I lost about 15 pounds, and luckily for me, in my wellness and personal training facility, I had a gut health specialist that was working with clients, and I asked her, like, I need help. You know, I, I kind of put my tail between my legs. Up until this point, I thought I knew it all. And um, she helped me understand the importance of it. And so then I really treated it like, the, like anything else. I, I took it very seriously. My health improved and then consequentially, my performance was better than it ever had been before. And that's when I really started to open my eyes to this other side of human health that I hadn't really looked at because I was, always, I was kind of stuck in that build muscle, burn body fat, maximum performance you know, kind of state of mind. Now, when you look at your, the gut, the gut represents everything from your mouth to your anus. So that whole tube that goes through, you know, down your esophagus and your stomach and your small and large intestines and your colon, that's all considered part of your, your gut. 
And when you look at that, a lot of people think that that is uh, in that when you eat something, it's inside your body. Like, oh, I swallowed it. It's inside my body. Technically, it's not. You want to think of it as it's like a donut. When you look at a donut, the hole in the middle of the donut, if you stick your finger in that hole, your hand is your finger's not inside the donut. It's it's through a hole through the donut. It's just this, it's this, this, it's open space. And that's what your gut is. It's literally the barrier between the outside world and your actual body. So when you swallow something or you eat something, it doesn't become a part of your body, go inside your body until it moves through the gut and until your body assimilates and absorbs it. Okay. So that, that's one very important facet of the gut. And if the gut is unhealthy, um, you're not going to assimilate food properly. Your body's going to actually many times mount an immune response to particular types of foods because it's inflamed. Really, it's no different than if your skin, like if you had like a scab on your skin or it was really inflamed, you know, that part of your skin or your skin itself may start to mount an immune response to anything that touches it because it's open. That's what happens to the gut when it's not healthy. So then people develop food intolerances and issues. And these are immune responses and immune responses affect the entire body. So when your gut is unhealthy, it can display itself in the obvious ways, you know, constipation, diarrhea, uh, bloating, gas, that kind of stuff. But it can also display itself in many not so obvious ways that are really just reflections of an immune reaction. That can be skin issues, everything from psoriasis to acne. It can be uh, vision issues. It could be pain. It could be depression. You know, a, a strong immune response is an inflammatory response, which has a strong connection to depression and anxiety. Of course, loss of energy. It could be mood changes. It could be all these things. But there's much more to that. You know, the gut is, uh, uh, and we're learning more and more about it uh, literally as we speak. This is a very fast evolving segment of science. But your gut houses bacteria that are an in, in integral part of who you are. In, in fact, if we were to count all the bacteria cells that made up your, your internal microbiome that is, exists within your gut, and we could even throw the microbiome on your skin because you have bacteria that lives all over your skin, you added up all those cells, they would outnumber the human cells that you have. So you're literally more bacteria cells than you are human cells. And these bacteria cells are in a symbiotic relationship with the rest of you. So they are what break down food. They are what help extract nutrients. They even produce and create your neurotransmitters. In fact, your gut is responsible or the microbiome of your gut is responsible for something like 90% of the serotonin that is produced within your body. And now we know serotonin is, 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 there's, it has an important role in how we feel. In fact, the you know, antidepressant drugs are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. What those drugs do is they increase the amount of circulating serotonin in your brain in order to make you feel less depressed. But those are dealing with 10% of the serotonin that your body's producing. 90% of it is actually produced in your gut. So imagine having poor gut health, how that wow. could potentially affect you know, your moods and how you feel when, when they produce so much of that. Not only that, but your gut itself has receptors for these neurotransmitters, like serotonin. There's so many serotonin receptors in your gut that it's been referred to by scientists recently as your second brain. 
And this may be why you feel so many things in your gut. In fact, you get that saying, right? I feel it in my gut. But think about what happens when you're scared, when you're in love, when you're excited, uh, whatever. You tend to feel it in the pit of your stomach. That's because you got all these receptors in there. It's actually telling you something. Um, uh, here's another cool little factoid. The third highest concentration of those receptors is in your heart. So when we feel things, when we feel things where we feel them, it's because they're literally, you know, there's receptors for these neurotransmitters. So that's why we feel it's not just in your, not just in your head. So it's an extremely important part of your overall health. They've connected gut health to autism. They've connected it to multiple sclerosis. They've connected it to cancers. They've connected it to uh, heart disease. I mean, you name it, there's a strong component that is connected to the health of your gut. So now let's extend that and think about the ways we, we feed ourselves. Like, like, let's, like, let's say you're into muscle building. So you buy these artificially flavored protein powders and pre-workout supplements. Well, a lot of what they put in those things to make them palatable include artificial colors and artificial flavors. Um, and sweeteners. And we now know that a lot of these things have a detrimental effect uh, on your gut, or at the very least, I think everybody can agree that they fundamentally change the microbiome of your gut. So now you're taking these supplements, trying to become healthier and more fit. And in reality, you may be affecting the one thing that has one of the biggest impacts overall on your overall health. So you've got that. Antibiotics affect it. Uh, Foods that are not organic that have uh, you know, pesticide and, uh, residues or herbicide res- res- residues, in particular, the uh, glyphosate residues that are found on a lot of crops, uh, a lot of GMO crops, those have antibiotic properties. So you eat a lot of those uh, or over a period of time, they probably are killing bacteria and altering uh, the type of the microbiome that you have in your gut. So all these things have this effect on your gut. We just, we didn't even know to test for this 20 years ago, you know, when they, when they do tests on food additives and products, they didn't even know to test the microbiome. So when we see things, when, you know, when the FDA says, oh, you know, um, sucralose is totally safe, for example, that's an artificial sweetener. They're saying that based on the studies that they, do, that they did, none of which included studying how it impacted the microbiome and what that means. They just didn't know to study it. So that's just, a, that's just an example. But it's an extremely important part of our health. We've now discovered recently, in fact, they have to change, they've had to now change anatomy charts, which is kind of cool. I mean, how often does this happen in modern times where we discover that we need to change an anatomy chart? We've discovered that the lymphatic system actually has a direct line from the gut to the brain. It's a direct connection. So, uh, you know, and this makes sense now when we find that people with autism, uh, ADD, people with depression tend to have also gut issues that we can so far identify because there's a lot more we need to learn. Well, now it makes perfect sense that one can affect the other, that it's kind of a circular communication system where, you know, the way you think may affect your gut, but also your gut may also affect the way you think. One of my favorite studies uh, that I think is fascinating, doesn't tell us a lot of what it means, but I think it's fascinating is they took a bunch of women and they put them through an fMRI machine. An fMRI machine is a, a functional uh, uh, MRI machine, which functional because it shows in real time the blood flow that's happening in the brain and how the brain seems to be activating, right? So we can actually watch in real time what's going on 
with the brain. We don't necessarily know what it, know what it means, but we can see you know, that there's patterns when people think of particular things. And so what they did is they had the women go in there and they had them think about specific things and they, they mapped out how the brain, how brain flow of, you know, was in the brain and how the brain was operating. Then they gave the women uh, probiotic enhanced uh, yogurt. So now these women ate what we know to be beneficial bacteria. There's certain bacteria that we know that seem to have a beneficial effect on most people. Uh, lactobacillus is, is one of them. So these women ate these probiotics, if you will, these beneficial probiotics. They went into the fMRI machine and then they, did, they thought about the same specific things and there were changes that were measured by the fMRI machine. We actually saw changes in how their brains operated. So now we don't know what that means, but we can definitely see that bacteria affects how the brain operates. I think that's absolutely fascinating. So yeah, that's wild. it's a very, very important part of health. It's something everybody should pay attention to. Um, and it, as we move along, we're starting to discover that it's probably not just important, but the most important aspect uh, to pay attention to in, in regards to our health. That's, that, that's something. I mean, that, just understanding the, the simple fact of like changing your gut can change so much more than, than what you even think it can. Um, so I guess the next question would be, do you have any, I guess, any tips or anything that people can kind of start changing about their diet to increase uh, better gut health? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so first off, if you're otherwise healthy, if you're an otherwise healthy individual and you don't have uh, any history of eating disorders in the realm of uh, anorexia, bulimia, um, then fasting has seems to have a very positive effect on gut health. So fasting is where you just go without food for a prolonged period of time, anywhere between uh, you know, my estimation for gut health between 24 to 72 hours or sometimes more. I know in some Eastern European nations, they'll have people fast for a full week, but I think that's, that's really, really long. Fasting seems to have a beneficial effect on the gut because, well, there's a couple of reasons why. We, we probably evolved fasting relatively regularly. Uh, you know, when humans evolved for the most part or for most of human history, we didn't have food available all the time to us. We weren't just eating food all the time. And so our bodies evolved to do very well through periods of not having food. And your digestive system doesn't shut down and turn off or relax when you're feeding it. It's always constantly working all, all the time. So not eating for 24, 48, or 72 hours gives it a bit of a break, allows it to relax, reduces inflammation. It takes the immune response and it backs off a little bit because we get this immune response with food sometimes. Um, but it also starves out some of the bacteria that we've identified as not being so beneficial, kind of starves it out, especially if you have bacteria in your small intestines, which can, which can cause a lot of problems. So fasting is the single easiest way to positively affect your gut. And the funny thing is we kind of know this instinctively. Like if you have a really bad gut issue, like the stomach virus, you don't want to eat any food. I think your body tells you like, don't feed me, allow the gut to reduce its inflammation and handle this, this, you know, situation. But even for average healthy people, there seems to be a lot of benefit in gut health. Some of the other stuff that happens when you fast, and this happens in particular with the cells of the gut, 
is that the older cells of the body, but in particular the older cells of the gut, uh, self-destruct. They, they, they kill themselves. This is something the body does naturally, uh, and it's actually a good, a good thing. You want this to happen. Cells that don't self-destruct turn into cancer cells, for example. But when you fast, you accelerate that process. So all these old cells die. But then something fascinating happens to the young, younger cells. They tend to hunker down and strengthen. They become much stronger. In fact, studies done on fasting and people with cancer has now shown that people who fast before going into chemotherapy have far, far less damage to their healthy cells than people who go into chemotherapy fed and cancer cells seem to be affected by the chemo even more, more profoundly. So fasting has this kind of protective effect on healthy cells and it's got this uh, you know, negative effect on cells that probably should be killing themselves anyway. So there's that. But it also does another thing. It stimulates stem cells and it produces more stem cells. When you go and refeed yourself, when you go back to eating food, these stem cells get turned into brand new cells. And many of these brand new cells are the cells that are in uh, and around your gut. Now, this is a good thing because young, healthy cells in the gut are less likely to develop immune responses to food. So when you eat things that, you have, that cause indigestion or cause bloating or gas or diarrhea or constipation or other immune responses like some of the uh, less obvious ones that I talked about earlier, those are less likely to happen when you have these new healthier cells. It's almost like a reset. So fasting, very black and white, easy thing you can do. Second thing you can do is avoid foods that you know that you have issues with. So if you eat a food that gives you heartburn or gives you any, any type of a reaction that is not ideal, avoid that food for at least four weeks. Allow the inflammation to subside a little bit. Allow your immune system to take a step back a little bit. Because infl- there's a, you know, your, your gut operates differently when it's inflamed. And it's, it's in a, uh, a protective type of state. So you want that inflammation to go away so it can go more in a recuperative beneficial state. So avoid foods that you know you have issues with and avoid them consistently for at least a month. You could always reintroduce them later on slowly, but avoid them for a month and, and, and see what happens. The other thing is to avoid uh, heavily processed foods. Those seem to feed uh, bacteria in your gut in a way that can promote dysbiosis or promote an environment where your gut isn't in optimal health. Whole natural foods don't seem to do this as much. Um, and then, you know, avoid, try and eat organic as well. I talked about the residues from pesticides and herbicides. Those seem to bother, um, you know, the, the, the microbiome of the gut. And then, of course, you can supplement with things that seem to benefit the gut. Uh, probiotics, not for everybody, uh, but for most people, a good probiotic should improve the at least the symptoms of a poor gut and, and may help uh, get someone's gut to a more healthy place. Not true for everybody. So if you take a probiotic and you notice worse symptoms, stop taking it. But if you notice you feel better, uh, go ahead and take that for you know a certain period of time. You don't want to be on a probiotic forever. But um, you know taking it for a few months, if it's benefiting you, if you notice you're feeling better, uh, is probably a, a good thing. And I would say those are probably the, the easiest places to start because then it gets more specific and based on the individual. You know, like there's definitely people who notice substantial improvement when they go on a very, very low carbohydrate, whole food based uh, ketogenic type diet. 
But there's also people who will notice uh, that they will have worse gut symptoms when they do that. So, and that's just one example. The same is true for like a low FODMAP diet. That seems to work well for a lot of people. Some people not so well. Um, vegan diet sometimes helps people. A lot of people it doesn't. So, you know, you know, it's hard to get into the specifics because it's all really based on the individual. But the stuff that I listed earlier, the fasting, you know, the, the eliminating of common food intolerances, the trying to stay away from processed foods, uh, and the, you know, maybe taking a probiotic, that seems to benefit most people. Uh, Sal, so, uh, you know, with that, we do want to be um, <clears throat> respectful of your time. Where can people find more about you, more about the Scud Help, and, and more ways that you can help them? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we talk a lot. We talk about everything that has to do with fitness. So building muscle, burning body fat, uh, you know, gut health, fasting. I mean, you name it, we cover it. You can find the podcast on any, pretty much any podcast platform, including iTunes. Podcast is Mind Pump. Our YouTube channel is Mind Pump TV. A lot of exercise demos and workout examples uh, are on that. And there's some small interviews on there as well. Um, then we also have uh, a bunch of free resources and guides that we offer to our community. So uh, some examples of some of the guides are like how to get a better squat, how to lose body fat the right way, how to build more muscle, improve your performance. All those guides can be found at mindpumpfree.com. I think there's like 12 guides on there and they're totally free. You can get them all if you want. Sweet. Um, I know that I am currently running the, the aesthetic program that you guys uh, put out. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm loving every bit of it. It's definitely, it's been good. Um, and so, you know, I can definitely vouch for you guys on my end that, you know, what you guys are putting out actually is good quality stuff. Much appreciated. Thank you. 100%. So, uh, Sal started off right at the beginning of the podcast and he said one of the first things that he mentioned was uh, staying focused on one thing, one nugget, one, one takeaway. So, he covered a lot, gave us a ton of information, find one nugget from that and take it and then do something with it. Right. Excellent. Sal, thank you for coming in or being part of this today. We really do appreciate you. Great information. Um, and uh, grinders till next time. Thank you very much, boys. <laughs> <laughs>